Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. up everybody welcome into the college chaos podcast i'm garrett ross along with my man jack mckenzie and you we appreciate y'all tuning in whether it's live or going back and checking us out on youtube or if you prefer to listen to audio only apple spotify wherever you get your podcast enjoyed that as well greatly appreciative every one of y'all make sure you hit like and subscribe we are trying to continue to grow this bad boy and we've done so Pretty well, I would say, over Grow the course it. of the season. Grow it always. It's been fun. It's been yeah. fun. Been, man, dude, it, the crazy thing is like we're in the final week of the regular season. And mm-hmm. this has been one of the weirdest football seasons to me because there's been like so much negativity and just distractions. It's It's been so long and so short at the same time. It was like it's just a mind trick of how things have unfolded. But interesting nonetheless. I mean, and, like there's some barely specific things that I think are really true in that scenario yeah. where it's been insanely negative. Ter- terrible season here in Waco. God, eight yeah. home games. This Saturday is the eighth home game, which means it's just constantly go, go, go. We're in a r- such a routine that, like, there's no weekend. Like, there haven't been a lot of weekends off no. when they're away, and we can be, like, chill. And for me, I've gone. Yeah, you're always I've going, going to three too, four away games. <laughs> That's the thing. So, all right, you were up there this week. Was it nice to be back at Amy Carter and not, like and be able to fill your limbs and everything? It's It's an interesting stadium because I think it looks beautiful. But operationally, just it's so dysfunctional, it's kind of jank. <laughs> so TCU fans, take that how you will. Like it looks beautiful. I feel like I right. got some great photos. No, you the, did. The sun hitting the stadium and everything. Just like it looked great. Don't understand the blood frog thing, but hey, you do you. When you win by that much, I can't really talk. <laughs> no, I, that's one thing. Like I understand the whole concept behind it. It's it's cool. I just I don't like the uniform. I don't like throwing the red in there. It just it doesn't mesh well to me Stick to I your purple and white. yeah i understand that the philosophy Honestly, the behind black it. works well with the purple and white it really does they do have some that clean black panther look they have some clean uniforms when they roll them out but yeah so tcu throttle baylor no big surprise there um other games in the big 12 this weekend you had texas escape in iowa at names against iowa state that's one where i think just more so out of wanting the chaos and everything to be dysfunctional i, I rode with the cyclones knowing that more I than likely this, the cyclones. i think everybody I did right like everybody wanted the cyclones to win I, I was just like screw it i'll ride with them and they didn't you know hey they they did as about as well as expected realistically going into that game so yeah. hats off to them i think matt campbell's definitely the right guy there they, they're going to keep growing and, and keep progressing that program it's it is what it is with iowa state they're always going to be in the mix they understand their expectations like I think a lot of programs around the nation could smaller programs in general could take a, a good hint of how Iowa state approaches their situation and just ride with it and thrive. Um, elsewhere, you had a, an interesting one in Lubbock. Um, yep. This was one where me and you were doing our picks. We were looking like this is going to be a really close game. And it was a really close and game. I, just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, frankly, UCF should have won that game. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you blow a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter. Uh, you... <laughs> Uh man, I'm trying to read my notes. I was pretty tired when I watched the highlights and like read over the the game book. But um, let's see, they had the game tying extra point blocked. I think they missed a field goal in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. That that has to be what my typo is the missed right. field goal. But like, the game was there to be had for them, and I think this is kind of a theme where when they fall short and it's just ever so short, mm. it is like the most annoying mix of player execution and coaching mistakes. Right. Because there's definitely an element of like you got to you got to get you got to better play calling at the end of the first half when you let the clock run out on like a shovel screen mm-hmm. in the middle of the field knowing you have no timeouts. Right. Like play it safer maybe because points are big. You lost by one point. I know hindsight's 2020. But I feel like that's on Malzahn more than execution. But then, you know, missing a field goal or or getting the game-tying extra point blocked. It's the little things that have kept them from already being bowl eligible. Because you, you blow a massive lead to Baylor. Mm. You lose a tight one here. And, like, despite the injury to your starting quarterback for a good chunk of the year, like, y'all have looked competitive. Yeah. Y'all managed to turn it around. It just... You got to do those little things. I see. I, I liked it, I, I, and I totally agree with you. Like those those things, I don't mind necessarily the calls. I, I think that's always been kind of Gus Malzahn's philosophy as a coach: is let's, we're going to be innovative, we're going to be aggressive, uh, forward thinking, just try things. It's very similar to what you see with Dan Landing up at Oregon, right? Like if you go back and watch uh, that game when they lost against Washington, there were a lot of opportunities where Dan Landing rolled the dice on things, and they just didn't execute it. And there was a lot of finger pointing and questions about it. Uh, but I don't have a problem with it at the end of the day. I think that's just kind of UCF is going to be fine. They're going to get the players in there. I think it's a situation with them this year where those were things you could get away with in the American. You have been able to get away with under guest miles on over there. You just, it's a different beast. You're still adapting to the big 12 and, and the, the caliber of play out there. I still like the mindset of saying, Hey, this is our identity. This is what we're going to work. And you're starting to see as, um, as successful as they've been, they're still have an opportunity to clinch a bowl berth next week in Houston, which I think they'll take care of that. So I think they'll go bowling this year. Now I, I thought they would probably be about a game or two better, uh, that's probably negligent on my part, just considering the jump up, the transition, and not having the depth there. But I think once they get the depth coming in and they're able to rack up a couple of recruiting classes that are Big 12 caliber, I think those type of things and those scenarios are going to benefit them going forward. I think it's just kind of a trial and error right now. But I, I understand it. I know you could probably be really frustrated if you're a UCF fan that it's not going out and you could have questions of why. But I think I would rather my team personally – be aggressive and forward thinking than being kind of like what we saw with A&M where you weren't having that and it ultimately cost you, you know, and, and it cost your job out the your I coach would out rather the door. not be in the misery that was yes. perpetual Jimbo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. They were in Jimbo. <laughs> they were in Jimbo. Yeah, Jim, nice. Not nice. Limbo, but Jimbo. Jimbo. Well played. No, that's that's no, that's great. That dog. That's funny. Um, but no, I, I just so with that, like I understand, and it's frustrating. But I, I think if this game was also in Orlando, it could have easily been the, ex- the exact opposite, right? Twenty four, twenty three in favor of the Knights. But I think going into Lubbock, Baron Morton being back for them, which I thought Baron going into the year, we can go back and look. I felt like Baron Morton would have been the starter in general. Uh, I thought he was better than Shuck and. 
Obviously, as things have played out, now Tyler Shuck's hitting the transfer portal. We'll get into that a little later with some other quarterbacks. But I think that Joey and them made the right decision, you know, and and I think having Baron Morton out there and what he brings, while he's not great or a leader or anything, you know what you get with him. You're confident with him, and I think everybody's bought in. And having that along with being at home and Taj Brooks going off the way he did were really the the differences in the Red Raiders coming out victorious. Yeah, definitely. Um I don't have much to say on Texas Tech's front just because they did what they needed to yeah. do. But, again, they're not inspiring. But, hey, after the way they started their year, I think no one should give them crap for not being inspiring. Get the job done. Get the win total up. Get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Joey's done a very good job slowly turning that that right. season around for them. I don't want to say that ship because, like, no, yeah, we'll leave that pun out of there. I, I think – People thought the ship was heading this way when really it was always heading this way. Yeah. And so he didn't have to turn it around. He just, people had to adjust their expectations. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, elsewhere in the Big 12, uh, you had Kansas State getting the win over this, Kansas. This, this was the most intriguing game to me. Tell the us why. The most intriguing game to me. Because it was close as hell and Kansas was on their third quarterback. Yep. Like, I mean, I just don't, I don't see a way where, Kansas State wins if Kansas is one of their top two quarterbacks. Like, like that that's the difference. That's what helped Kansas State win. That's how that's how they were able mm-hmm. to come back and seal it. Is that Kansas just could not score in the second half. Like Kansas scored seven points in the second half. They right. score they score one more touchdown. They're good. See that I, I, w- I would have liked to seen Jason Bean out there, or definitely Daniels, but we'll all, we'll get that next year as well. But yeah, I, I think that is a bi- a big factor. I like that this game has started to become more competitive and it's starting to mean more. Um, I I honestly thought that not having the, this game wouldn't be this close with, with the, the third string oh, quarterback in there. Exactly that that's why it's the most intriguing yeah. one to me is because you've got your third string quarterback out there. They turn the ball over three times to Kansas State's one. And they still keep it that close? I think that's really just kind of a testament to where this program's at right now and the expectations going forward. Like, when you're able to build that and you can overcome turnovers and keep things, especially in a rivalry game against a team who's still in contention for the Big 12 championship, you know, everything's dominoes got to fall a certain way. But, no, I I think that's a really good point. Uh, I I think it's also just kind of letting us know what this is going to be going forward with the under these two staffs and the, the as the they continue to build the blueprint of their their teams under the roster situation. Think about it like this. You take out one of the quarterback injuries. Mm. Just one. Like so say Bean. Say Bean's out, yeah. Say Bean so no, say Bean's the healthy one. Their second string quarterback is their healthy mm. one all year. I feel better about them beating Tech. Like yeah. I think at worst, that's a coin flip game. And so take one of those four conference losses off and then look at how the schedule has ended up playing out for them. They got Murderer's Row this year. They had Texas. They had Oklahoma State. They had Oklahoma. They had Iowa State. They had Kansas State. That's that's that, a, yeah. That, that's five of the best teams in the conference. Yep. Like that is the top five. That's total opposite anyone. of Oklahoma State's. Exactly. Yeah. And they're still out here winning some of those games. All of their losses outside of Tech, so they have four conference losses. The other three outside of Tech are from those top five. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a very good team, and if they had a lighter schedule, not the lightest, but a lighter schedule, they would probably still be in the conference title game conversation. 
Oh yeah, I think there's no question about that. It's 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 really impressive what they've been able to do, and the fact that we're always talking about Kansas football and being in contention is really just a testament like, to Lance. Frankly, Leifold. and it pays to win the games, so I'm not taking that away from Kansas State. But holistically looking at Kansas's season, I think they've had a better season than Kansas State. No, I think you could make an argument that just given the circumstances, and everything. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think so there is. That, that's why I find this game so intriguing. That's 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 my piece. What do you make of Oklahoma? Like <laughs> I, I, I cannot figure them out for the life of me. Um, them and Oklahoma State. I have so many damn questions about what those two programs truly are. But watching Oklahoma, I have more question about Oklahoma State. But let's let's get but like both okay. Ones. So Oklahoma, you had the win over Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the pinnacle of your season. And then after that, you have looked. Like you just emptied the clip and you're a total different team. Like you like you threw everything out there. Like you were just playing to beat Texas for the season, is what it feels like. Because ever since then and frankly, I respect them for that. No, I mean I do, but at the same time, like you've got to build off of it, right? Especially the way the season went for you last year. You're going into the SEC next year. But when you watch this team, I feel like they play down to their competition. They just it's weird. And I understand. I don't know about that. Look just one week ago. If they played down to their competition, they would have gotten into like a dirty, muddy battle with West Virginia. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I think that going into Provo for a what was it? It would have been a ten yeah, ten mountain time kickoff. I don't want to say environment excuse. I don't want to say time excuse. Um, Their QB not being able to play the second half definitely did not help. Um, yeah, Gabriel was not in the second. No, I know. I know. Um, I, my biggest question from this is how are they going to fare in the trenches moving forward? Because BYU ran the fucking ball on Yeah. Time. Like, Aiden Robbins, I think is his name, 182 yards on the ground. They were getting what they wanted. The turnovers from a young starting quarterback and Retzlaff at BYU, like, that's what the difference was in the end. They scored 21 points off of three BYU turnovers. One of them was a 100-yard pick six. Mm-hmm. Like, OU probably shouldn't have won that game because their defense was giving up. Their defense gave up more yards than they than their offense got. And so they got outgained. And they just, I don't, I don't want to say lucky because players have to make plays, but there's a part of me that's just like, no, they got you can lucky. say, like, you escaped. They got, you they, lucky. They escaped. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I do have questions. It's just, at the end of the day, sometimes you got to have talent to bail you out. And, like, that pick six, that was all talent. No, it was. And that's the confusing thing for me with Oklahoma, right? It's because it, it's kind of like, and I don't even, I'm not even going to bring the snares. I'm tired of drawing comparisons to that. But you have a situation where you have a defensive-minded coach who's coming in, trying to be a head coach, and you have dudes over there. But, like, I, I don't know if it's a chemistry thing, if it's still, like, maybe it's it's – they don't have they tr- they don't have the traditional Oklahoma talent on defense. They have some of the names, that, but they're young. Peyton Bowen and them are young, but they don't have like Danny Stutzman's not like your typical like dog at linebacker. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what names you're talking about, honestly, because I feel like over the last decade they've had that one middle linebacker and that one defensive lineman, and that's about it. Because I Maybe. don't remember them having great guys in the secondary. Go back like two decades, then we can start talking. Maybe it is. Maybe I just haven't paid a, that much attention to them over the past oh, decade because they've been Garrett, there. 
What? I, oh, no. No. You didn't pay attention to their defense in the last decade because they didn't have a good defense in the last there, decade. There, see, that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just the neglect of Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch just Lincoln completely Riley emptied is, the cupboard. Lincoln Riley offenses were so clearly better than Levy offenses. Yes. And so they're struggling not having as good of an offense, being under a defensive-minded head coach where the defense doesn't have the Jimmys and the Joes yet. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'll get I, behind I, that. I think that's what it is, is is truly they don't have the guys to run the scheme for their head coach. And I think they might not have made the right hire for OC. I'm not saying he's no, bad. I'm would, just saying, like, if you're going to try and rely on your offense in these years to to win and, like, compete at a conference title level, I don't know if Levy was the right call. No, I think that's on. I, I I would get with that, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years, maybe. I, like, I think I, he would I, get one more year, but I think that might be max for him. The the thing is, I once that defense comes and starts really getting to what I believe Venable's level defense is, I don't think it matters too much what offense it is as long as it's solid, right? And so at that point, I think Le- a Levy offense can win a conference title. I just don't think it's the kind of offense. It's just not complimentary right now. Yeah, it's not going to carry them because you either have to be so good at that offense that your defense doesn't mean crap. Yeah. Or you need to have a good defense. No, I get that. It's it's just just such a hot and cold offense. It is. It is. And you're also putting so much pressure, especially when you, if defenses have you figured out and you're getting off the field and then your defense just lives on the field all day long. So that's kind of behind the eight ball as well. Um, I'm very much not a fan of, of the, the Bryles offense. I think it's gotten post, figured out, dude. Post, I don't think it's. I, I don't really think it's so much gotten figured out as there. The coach we all know it from knew how to run it best. That that's a good point too. But it just seems like I wouldn't necessarily just say that one in general. But the like the spreads have been struggling this year. I don't know if maybe it's just an adapt adaptation thing. But there have been some that haven't clicked, and maybe it's just because you're looking at the and the, the I, three I that are coming to my mind are Clemson. TCU in Oklahoma. And, and it's just maybe you, you it's the transitions that you don't have the people in there yet to run it properly. Maybe that's I mean, what it is. The, yeah. My my big thing here is um, just across college football, more more teams are adopting a 3-3-5, yes. which is a defense that is meant to be bend, don't break, make everything, everything be earned. Yeah. Um, and – you're going to have to have more reliable, methodical offenses instead of very hot and cold shot play offenses. And that's why an offense like, I don't know, Texas is an offense that stood out to me is like when their guys actually care to be clicking and are <laughs> yeah. engaged and don't get complacent. Right. Have fun trying to stop them, man. No, like, yeah, you're, that's a good point. So, I don't know. Elsewhere, you want to, all right, Oklahoma State, dude. This team, yeah. there's no, all right. You talk about falling off the rails, and I know they're winning, but dude, you win Bedlam the way you you did. You had Ollie Gordon just humming, and then last week you had the complete debacle in Orlando. Then this week you go to Houston, and it took like a second half surge for them to win this game. I don't understand what the hell is going on there. This is why I have so many concerns about my and questions about Mike Gundy in general. I know he wins in the Big 12, but like but dude, he doesn't win what the, the Big hell? 12. Yes. Like what what are your what are your thoughts on Oklahoma State right now? They need to avoid turnovers at all costs. Yes. I also 
have no real idea why they passed it 43 times. Stupid. Stupid. Like, I, I get that you might be hunting matchups. You might see a weak spot in the defense. But you also got to play to your strengths. And maybe I haven't watched enough Oklahoma State this year. Maybe their offensive line isn't that good. But I know you've got one of the best backs in the conference back there. But, so, I mean, you have to – got to be good enough. If they weren't that good, Ollie Gordon wouldn't have been putting up the numbers he was. Yeah, and so, one, that's why yeah. I'm sitting here being like, there's no way their offensive line is bad enough where you're like, we have to pass it 43 times. And they came back from that early deficit being down 23-9 to nine early on uh, to have a close game where they could run the ball yeah. if they wanted to. It wasn't like, oh, we have to come back. We're chasing the game. We're running out of time. So I, I don't know what it is that's making them seem to want to put the game so much into Bowman's hands because we've seen over the last two weeks what happens if the game is too much in his hands. Yeah, he's going to cost you. I'm pretty sure I said going into the into the Bedlam game this year, like they've got to make sure they don't fall behind early and they don't ha- like put the game fully into mm-hmm. Bowman's hands. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's been the story with them this year is they have success when Bowman's a game manager and Ollie Gordon grinds it out. And so, I mean, he threw an he threw another bad bad pick six. It's just like I I I don't know why they're letting. Bowman have that. that I don't either. Swing on the game. The only thing I, I and maybe maybe you were concerned about the wear and tear. Maybe you rode Ollie, you know, a little too hard over the past few weeks. Maybe there's something underlying there that we're not aware of, and you know, you keep it close to the vest, and you don't want to put so many reps on him. But you can't expect to win, and you're still in a position where you're in a hunt to still make it to Arlington. I don't want to be relying on Alan Bowman with my opportunities to make it to the Big 12. Like, I just, there's no way I would do that. Now, why Why would you be scared of doing that, Gary? I don't, I, that's the thing. That you what, you would have thought. Of, what kind of play is he showing that would I make you scared? But I don't get it. I just, I don't understand why you had the easiest last three games on your schedule, arguably for uh, across the Big 12, and this is what you're doing with them. Like, to me, you should have been cruising. I, I It's confusing. I don't understand it. Um, Hey, Oklahoma State people seem to be happy with Gundy and mediocrity, so it is what it is. The Big 12 issued out their scenarios. Yeah, I'm looking at that email right now. For the championship. One, it's dense as hell to read. It, it is, is dense. So I this is a this is a situation where the Big 12, in my opinion, didn't properly look at all this the what the chaos that could unfold. Um and you're having a worst case scenario that is happening and biting you in the ass, and you're trying to why adjust the on the fly. Do this to themselves. This is it's so confusing. This is why they get looked at like they can't figure shit out. I, like I honestly, I don't know why I thought that this would be different under your mark. It should be, um, but like this, this feels so similar to thirteen fourteen. I'm glad that they have clarified that the stupidest. Thing that we talked about a few weeks ago where Oklahoma State would lose that three-way right. tiebreaker. They've clarified, no, they won't. Um, whether you want to view that as a rule change or not, honestly, up to you. I don't really care because at the end of the day... I think my, they had to got it, they got it right fixing it. Yeah, and I'd be screaming bloody murder if, like, unless I was a fan of one of the teams that, that got beaten in that tiebreaker, mm-hmm. I'd be screaming bloody murder that... 
like if I'm a fan of anyone, that someone who beat both teams they're tied with somehow lost the tiebreaker. Right. I would so too. it it's right. I don't really care if it's if it's not the rule as it was at the start of the season. They it's, adapted. It's, it's the yeah. way it should be. It should. So you like it's the way honestly I thought it would be the whole season. So that's why I'm not like reacting like, oh, it's a change. It's not. You you fixed a glaring issue and you made head to head wins matter. I don't understand why people would complain about that unless your team. But still, that's like be realistic. Like if yeah, you need if to. You, if you were sitting there, exactly, and both teams, exactly, you would be screaming bloody murder. You've you got to look at record. it from a whole perspective. They did the right thing, adjusting. And honestly, honestly, look me in the eyes and tell me that you thought. Well, hey, we lost to them, and they beat the other team that's also tied with us. So clearly, I know that we can win that tiebreaker. Yeah, like no, no, no. You're only upset that the rules changed because you finally looked up the rule. It's it's ridiculous. But as we sit right now, you have Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. That's it. And Texas Tech is still in this too. No, there's a scenario. No. Yes. All right. So right I now. I thought they were only in that email because they were playing Texas. If Tech wins on Friday, the following scenarios apply around the Big 12 championship. No team can clinch a bid, a bid on championship until Saturday. Texas can still clinch a berth in the championship if two of the three, two teams lose. Yeah, Kansas no, Texas, State. Texas out. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good then. I was like, well, what oh, all right. that one was deceiving. So right now because, you have because what what would have to happen for uh, Texas Tech to get into a tie would be Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State would yes, all yes, have yes. to lose. Yeah, okay, that's not happening. You're all right, and then then they would be tied at five and three without the, just like I I, I don't think uh, yeah. Like I guess they're not mathematically eliminated, but But it's more than likely they're not gonna make it. Highly, highly unlikely. So right now you have um if Oklahoma remains in contention, they can win let's see. With either a win or a loss against TCU, they they could still be in. So if Oklahoma State what, if Oklahoma State beats BYU, then they can get there in. Too, there honestly there are too many possibilities to yeah, go it's through. Stupid. It it just bear with us because like this email is dense as hell and um it really just comes down to like okay texas wins on friday they clinch yes. they've got the first spot texas loses on friday then both spots are up in the air but it's probably it is most likely going to be one of like it's most likely going to be texas and then one of kansas kansas state oklahoma state oklahoma Correct. those three teams Correct. um if texas loses there's there's shots that uh, there's the wild shot that it goes down to a tie between a lot of three loss teams in mm-hmm. the second spot. There's the wild scenario where it's a four team tie for both spots at two losses, stuff like that. Um, point is Texas should be feeling very good. I think Oklahoma state should be feeling pretty solid. Kansas state next. I think Oklahoma is in the worst spot out of the, the two loss teams. Yeah. So if K- if Texas wins on Friday, Oklahoma state beats BYU, then they can get in. If Oklahoma beats TCU on Friday and then Texas and Oklahoma state lose Oklahoma's in. And then if Kansas state beats Iowa state with a Texas win and a loss by Oklahoma and a loss by Oklahoma state, then K state's in. 
So I need, they're going to need a lot of work. So who do you want to see in this game? Because at I, this I, I point, don't go through every scenario. No, I who I want to see, I want to see Texas and Kansas State. Uh, I think right now they're playing. They are the two best teams in the Big Twelve playing. I would love to see a rematch of that game. Same here. Uh, though I will say, I want to see if Oklahoma State can get their crap together because that's a game I don't believe we've gotten to see yet this year. And um, I just I want to see if Oklahoma State truly is a good team or they I've just want a rivalry game. Like I, that's where that's where I'm. I, I'm the, watching them since the Oklahoma game, since Bedlam, whatever. I'm not impressed with them at all. Yeah. I think that 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 was kind of just a a matchup, a moment in time like, where I think they've outperformed yes. what they really are as a team. But I'd like there's part of me that would like to see them go up against what clearly has been the best team this year in the Big Twelve in Texas, right? And see if they can outperform one more time. Well, I also think the worst case scenario is having if you're a Big Twelve fan is having Oklahoma and Texas beat. That's obviously the worst case scenario. I just don't think that's going to happen i don't like right. i don't trust oklahoma you uh especially if dylan gabriel is hurt and They're he's not, not able to play yeah and i don't and honestly the way oklahoma has played we don't know the status of gabriel tcu can beat them like realistically tcu can beat them yeah so i, I think more than likely the scenario is going to be we're going to see that rematch of k-state and texas but i hope that's what it is but we shall see we shall see so we're going to take a break here, but coming up, we're going to get into some quarterback news. You've had a lot of quarterbacks announce that they'll be returning next season. Uh, you had a key injury to a quarterback over the weekend. We'll get into that as well, what that means, and also kind of our takeaways from this past weekend and look ahead at some of the big matchups going forward. You're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you and... We appreciate y'all tuning in, and we have some interesting nuggets to get to here. A lot of quarterback news and discussion has came out over the past week. You had the report out there, which I don't think it's ever really been confirmed. Uh, it was the the on three Texas site. I can't remember. That's like I can't remember the exact name of the the, the website itself. Mentioning that Quinn Ewers was probably going to come back for Texas. I know that's kind of been up in the air. I haven't really heard anything else. Out of that, I think that's one of those wait and see type things, and maybe I think that's the right. I think it's the right choice as well. Honestly, like I just like when it comes to Quinn, man. Like realistically, he's good. I think that the hype surrounding him, he was maybe too unrealistic, and he never really had an opportunity, a fair opportunity to live up to the, the you know those expectations. I think he's still really solid, but man, like. He gets hurt every year. He's gotten every hurt every year since high school, and there's no way that if I'm an NFL team, I'm drafting him to be like my franchise quarterback until I can see you like he can at least play a whole year healthy, right? Like that's that's yeah. that's something I I need to see. I think he's going to have a lot of success in the league. I think he's going to be like a Colt McCoy or a Chase Daniel, where he'll have a few years here and there, but I think he's going to be a journeyman quarterback who makes a ton of money and has the bet, one of the best gigs in the world. Like that, I, that was, you know, I think that's what you're going to see from Quinn, but that also puts the scenario of what's going to happen with that quarterback room. Like is Malik Murphy going to stay? Is he going to, is he going to hit the portal, try to go be a starter somewhere else next year? What's up with arch? Um, 
there's so many different scenarios going on in Texas. Uh, how do you, what are your thoughts on that quarterback room and like kind of how you see this shaking out? I mean, I definitely see Murphy transferring to get a starting job. I, I just don't think someone of that talent level is willing to wait another year mm-hmm. or willing to wait for an injury that might not be season right. ending to be able to step in. And like a guy who's that highly recruited is definitely going to be thinking, I want to make it to the league. What do I have to do to get to the league? I need to go somewhere and start and show that I can play, show that I can start. Right. And, you know, it. it's not it's not bad to be like, there's a guy who is a legit shot at the league here with me, and he's beating me out right now. I need to get playing time to improve, to get to league level. It, it's, mm. it's not it's not this like, oh, just stay there and win the battle. Like, I mean, come on. Joe Burrow transferred out of Ohio State. Yep. Like, guys who are league quality – Competing against other guys who are league quality, someone has to lose that battle. And so sometimes you just have to find a new home to show that, hey, I am also league quality. I can start. I can play great college football and make it to the NFL. I think, too, like with Malik, it's a situation where I, I love I love his mindset. I love what he did making the decision come back this year. If he if he did it again, I wouldn't be surprised. And But at the same time, like realistically, what you're, with what you're saying, if I'm a West Coast kid – and I'm looking at this, the possibility of being able to go back out home and go play, like say say you re- go replace Michael Penix. Like we don't, he's more likely going to the league. Do you go p- to Washington, go play in the Big Ten? Same situation with Bo Nix. You could go play in that that offense at Oregon. I think he'd be a great fit there. Caleb Williams is gone, but there's and we don't know what's going to happen with Chip Kelly's future. I mean, well, he's getting fired more than likely. <laughs> but what's what's going to happen out there? There's plenty of opportunities. For Malik Murphy, if he wanted to transfer and go back home to the West Coast to go to a legit um, program and go play in the Big Ten, I think there's plenty of great avenues there. One thing with the quarterback situation that I didn't even think was fathomable was Tim Brando was on with the on 365 Sports with us this past week, and he mentioned that he heard rumblings of Arch Manning possibly trying to transfer out. I don't. That's hard for me to really believe. I think. Like he wants to be at Texas, I think just kind of given the situation, he's going to stay at Texas. But do you see a realistic situation where he would transfer out? Like, like if Malik stays, like I just I don't want to speculate or I'm just yeah. saying for clip. I'm just that's no, just no, something. No. I mean, like it's it's worth talking about. He's one of the most famous recruits right. in the last how long? And I mean, he's part of just a royal family of football. Yeah. Um, just the vibe from that family, mm. I never really thought he was going to be a one-year transfer right. risk. Um, if he's genuinely unhappy there as like a human being, if he's not in liking the the coaching style, if that, that was kind of a shock to him after what he got pitched as a recruit, mm. then I could see it. So I guess if he does transfer, I'm going to sit here and, again, speculation, assumption. I'm going to assume that there was some serious misunderstanding or or miscalculation about his fit at Texas and and the fit of the coaching staff to mm-hmm. Arch and Arch to the to the team and and all that um or maybe to the just like I'm going to assume it's something that is more serious than just well the path to playing times really right. tough right 
Um, because I, I, I think everyone knew like, Hey, this is a, he's rated as highly as he is on potential. Mm-hmm. People want him on his potential more so than other yes. recruits. It's, it was more like he hasn't played the competition level. No. He like we don't know, but we know he's a Manning. Yeah. So that that's why if he transfers, and I think the speculation that's why I think the speculation may be a little unfair. Yes. Because it's like we don't even like give him a chance. Give him a chance. Like, but hey, if there's actual facts behind that, like mm. if he if he really is contemplating a transfer. That mean like that I t- I I jump over that middle ground of like oh well you know maybe just playing time whatever right. like this is what guys do like no this is this is Arch Manning yeah he's not supposed to be like jumping around from school to school like other guys right so yeah that that's where I'm at on that there was so one school that and this was more so kind of looking at Malik Murphy and places I thought he would fit at, but given the the circumstances and everything what we were just talking about Arch would be the same thing and I just don't see it happening but. Regardless, I thought Ole Miss in that situation would be interesting with Lane Kiffin, that offense. Uh, you know, you'd have the Ole Miss tie if that was, we're talking Arch, if we were talking that. But uh, well, the Malik Murphy, I thought he would be a great fit there. But then you have the news come out over the weekend, and I love this personally. Jackson Dart is coming back to the SIP. I like Jackson Dart a lot. I think he's fun. I think he, while he's not an elite or great quarterback, just what he's able to do with Lane Kiffin in that offense is so fun to watch. Um, I think it's a great uh, decision by him. I'm interested to see how they navigate uh, the situation going forward at Ole Miss. There's, you've kind of learned this this season that while you have a dude like Quinshawn Jenkins and you have some good receivers out there, there's still plenty of work you got to take care of. I think they need to address their defense and the trenches uh, to be big and be efficient going forward next season. Because if you go back, like they just got bullied and embarrassed by Georgia. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people are going to. Uh, but I love the idea of having Jackson Dart come back for Ole Miss. Uh, and I'm interested to see. Like, it's crazy, dude. Like, Spencer Sanders has been an afterthought, right? Like, you you think going there, uh, you would have an opportunity to compete. He's just kind of just been gone in the mix. So he's not going to be there. Um, you have Walker Howard, who's there as well. Uh, as a backup situation. I'm just interested to see how Ole Miss, if they get somebody else in the transfer portal, will come in to push Dart. Uh, but I do like Jackson Dart coming back for Ole Miss next season. Any, I know you don't really watch them that much. I don't watch them that much. I thought they were one of the most fraudulent, highly ranked teams all year. I don't – I'm not a fan of I'm, – I'm, I just – it's one of those offense isn't going to win the championship. Yeah. What, what else is Lane supposed to be known for? Like – They'd be, they might be winning championships in another conference, ACC, Big 12, mm. not the Big 10, not the SEC. No. And so I, I I don't know. This is more Ole Miss than anything about Jackson Dart, but Jackson Dart, does he's not moving he's the needle for them. I mean, yeah, he's, but he's fun to watch. I think he's in the right situation in the right scenario. I think he's Kiffin, one of those. If Kiffin yeah. wants to win, he needs to stop getting the guys who are just right for him and getting the guys who are great yes. that want to play in that system. Which is why I thought Malik Murphy, if he transfers, would be the ideal fit like in that situation. I think he could t- just tear it up it's at Ole Miss. It's one of those things where, where it's like, Jack, like, get the guy out of high school. Right. Get the highly ranked recruit out of high school because he wants to go light it up in the SIP. Don't be getting the highly ranked recruit out of high school after he went and failed somewhere else. Right. Don't be get, don't get, be the king of the transfer portal for a lot of things. 
being the king of the transfer portal for your quarterback is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> yeah, especially when you are supposed to be this offensive juggernaut of a coach. Mm. Like, you should be able to get your guy out of high school. You should be able to identify the talent. And <sighs> Ole, Miss, Ole Miss has annoyed me this year, man. Dude, they're, they're so funny because, like, they are. They're just that, that the little brother that just constantly pestering you nonstop. And they're also the little brother where people are like, this might be the time he beats big brother. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, call me when. Dude, call I, thought, me when. I thought maybe. And then when they do randomly, random because it, it's absolutely randomly. It's funny. It's great. It's a lot of fun because they celebrate like nobody's yes. business. Yes. But then they go back to not doing it when you really want them to. When the stakes are at the highest, when like. They're the Oklahoma State of the SEC. (laughs) They they jump up when you least expect them to, which break it takes the fun out of it. It It's like okay, so you're not you're not one of the big boys, right? So I I just don't want to have to keep having them in the conversation with the big boys. It's very similar to Penn State up in the Big Ten. That's yeah. It's just like okay, you're there, cool. And it's something that I think a 12-team playoff would actually help us weed out. Yes. Where, where it's like, okay, cool. You make the playoff. Are you actually going to win, win right. your first game? Because, like, hey, you made the playoff. Now you get to play Tulane. Oh, wait, you struggle against Tulane? Hmm. Yeah. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. It took that day. And it, 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 A&M, they should have lost A&M, too. But, you know, like, it took so that miracle you see, play. You see no, I I'm get saying. it. It's yeah. like, dude, kick it up a notch or move on. Right. You're supposed to be in the SEC. That that's all I'm trying to say is like there are, there are programs out there I will not hold to that standard. I will not hold my own program to that standard. Right. Apparently, I'm learning this year <laughs> where it's it's just like we're not out here right. saying like we're the coolest. We're in the SEC. Like we're not bringing that that heat. We're not blowing that smoke. So I don't have to hold it to the same standard. Right. Like. You should be if you want to be like that. Go beat Iowa. Go beat go Iowa. Beat Iowa. <laughs> but you're not. You're not going to go beat Iowa. I know that for a fact. Oh, that's funny. Like just oh, miss. Get it together, man. So a couple of Big Twelve related quarterback nuggets that have unfolded. Jalen Daniels announced last week that he is coming back to Kansas next year. I love this. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about LSU, Jalen Daniels. When you that's Jaden. I'm sorry. That's, Dude, that's, you, we've been over this. I know. I do it too. That's that's look. And I know. Look, I was like, my man is going to come back. No, nah, my man Jaden Daniels went off and eight touchdowns. Everything. I didn't watch one second two. of it because exactly because it was against Georgia yeah, Southern. Let's get back to the so, yeah. quarterback. Jalen Daniels is coming back for Kansas next year. I love this. Is he gonna I stay was healthy? huh? Is he going to stay healthy? That's the thing. I hope to God or whatever Does that Bean he stays healthy. Huh? Does Bean have eligibility? That's one thing I don't know. Because if Bean has eligibility, that would be so fun to bring back their whole quarterback room. Uh, I think I think they would hit a breaking point there if he does. So I'm that's the it thing. Up real like quick. I, I think he would probably need to transfer out and try to f- cut his own cloth or find his own path in that, one year. That or like frankly, I think Jalen like you can't turn down a guy of that talent coming back, but also like you've got to stay available and you don't want to lose a guy who stays available more right. that can also win at a high level. Yeah. No, so I it's just tough. it is, but I think I would still I would have to ride with Jalen in that situation, even though I think Jason Bean, you can definitely make the argument that he's been the better quarterback 
overall. Uh, but Jalen just when he's healthy, man, he brings a different level of energy. Just he's one of those unique college football players that are the are perfect for college football, right? Like everybody's got to want to root for them. So he's going to be back next season. This you is found Jason Chase. Bean's fifth year playing, sixth year in college. I don't think he has another year. He's taken he's taken a redshirt year. Um. I COVID he, year? I think he's in his he's in his COVID year. Okay. Yeah. This is the twenty twenty three season is the second season they have listed as his redshirt senior season. Good God. So I don't know why they don't just <laughs> list it as the COVID season. Right. Um, but yeah, I believe Bean is done after this year. So that makes that whole situation simpler but almost scarier for Kansas. Yes. I would agree. They're gonna have to get somebody in there who can definitely be what Jason Bean was, because there's no denying what he has meant to that that um that team other news cam rising cam rising is coming back for the utes he will be your starting quarterback for utah as they enter the big 12 uh, i was real disappointed man i was hoping to see cam when they came to waco this season uh, and you kind of knew something was going on the way they never kept giving timelines and everything he will be back he is returning for his seventh season okay this is for brandon marcello of 247 sports 12 of the 16 coaches in the Big 12 haven't been at their school as long as Cam Rising has been playing college football. But he's going to turn, what, 25? He's gonna, Yes. So, dude, this is ridiculous. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's, it's, the, it's so similar to Frank Harris at UTSA, just running it back. Dude, like Guys are on rosters so freaking – like, I am 25. Yes. This is my third year out of college. There is a guy on the Baylor roster right now, Bryson Jackson – who was a freshman when I was a freshman. It is so weird. It's so weird. Um, I think it also is kind of like indicative of people knowing their future and taking advantage of of making the most of their college experience while they can. Like yeah. it's it's just it's baffling that we have people this old still playing college football. It's weird. It's gonna it's gonna become much less common here in like two years. I would agree. Yeah, it, but well, once dude, everything gets it's yeah, that's everything gets weeded out uh, and then we'll get back to actually having college kids play college football. Yeah. But so no, it made me think though like you're going to have Jalen Daniels come back next year. You are going to be losing the Texas quarterbacks. You're going to be losing the future of Oklahoma. Uh but did you have Noah Fafita coming in? I think I really feel confident in saying Shadur Sanders will be back. I just especially the way he's gotten banged up this year. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was done for the year. Um I think Shadur will be back. You have what you got in, in, with Kenny Dillingham out there in Arizona State, and then you bring in Cam Rising. Are we seeing a situation possibly, and I'm not saying it's going to be on this level, where the Big 12 could find themselves similar to the Pac-12 this year as far as like having a host of just absolute dogs at quarterback? No. Not at all. I think this year in the Pac-12 is so, it's so brilliantly unique. Yeah. unique. I don't think we're going to see it again for maybe a decade. No, just I'd... like that many top-level yeah. quarterbacks, where you've got the guy who's last year's Heisman winner and everyone's presumed number one overall draft pick, looking like a little he's cry lost. baby. Yeah, like it, it's it's funny. Don't get me wrong, but that that just goes to show the amount of talent at that position they have out there, where top-level quarterbacks are leading their teams to much better record yes. than the Heisman, the reigning Heisman winner. Yes. Um, 
So that that's really fun. It's just like I don't think we're going to see that again for at least five years. Um, the Big 12 might be the home of like the best group of quarterbacks next year. I'm not certain of that, but I mean, looking at it, there's there's definitely a solid shot at it. Um, I'm just not super familiar with where other conferences are going right. to be at in that regard. I feel good about it not being um, not being the Big Ten as we know it currently. Mm-hmm. Now, how when they add add schools, how that's going to go? I don't know. I, I, I is Bo going to stay at Oregon? No, he's year? going to the draft. Uh, he's going. Penix is gone. gone. That's what and I'm so saying. I, I don't know like, who's coming up for for those schools. Uh, so my my point is is like we knew coming into this year that the Pac-12 was absolutely oh, stacked yeah. at QB, and I just the fact that I'm having to think about it right now that's telling me it's not going to be. No, I don't think it's necessarily going to be on that list. That's not what I said. I think, it, but you could make a case where you're going to have a lot of top to bottom, I think you could see a situation, and I'm not saying like pound for pound, level for level, but I think the, the Big, Big 12, 12 is going to be, be the quarterback driven of a league. Correct. Okay. I, I think yeah. I think as far as like comparative next year to the Big 10, SEC, ACC, et cetera, I think that the Big 12 will have the best group of quarterbacks overall. Now, as far as their potential, their ceiling matching, no, no there's no way yeah. in hell I don't think that that's going to happen. But I think you've got to feel comfortable if you're the Big 12, especially bringing in the four from the pack, po- and possibly four, I'm not – Guarantee interest. I just have a good feeling that he's yeah. going to be back. Yeah, but I think a, they could find themselves in a situation where it's, it's very interesting. I do think the the pack additions are probably carrying the weight there. Oh, definitely. Um, one thing I do want to get to before we have to close up shop for the day: uh, playoff picture. Yes. All of my buddies. I have a lot of buddies that are that went to UT. Big Longhorns fans. They're still sitting here and. Bemoaning that Oregon is ranked above Texas. Why are you bemoaning? Like Oregon's better than Texas right now. Please dive into that. I, I dude, I, I just I think that they have played a tougher schedule, and I know you're going to make the argument automatically. We went into Bama. You did. Congratulations, you went into Bama. But after that, you haven't played the type of schedule back to back that Oregon has played. You have, you have looked mediocre at times you've let multiple teams come back on you um and i just think that while you are you, while you are still um racking up the wins and you are finishing off i'm not going to knock that you are you have the best trenches arguably i know you do in this conference and you have i, I would probably say a top three offensive and defensive line in the nation and you have a lot of skill but at the same time like you're not you're not handling your business in a manner that oregon has been Oregon's been on the war path. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I think that realistically, I would put Oregon if I had an opportunity. Even if I think Oregon beats, which was hard to say because yeah. after Washington, Washington this weekend. My my big thing there is, I don't really care if Texas is ahead of Oregon right now because if Oregon beats Washington, they They're deserve in. to be above. Hell Texas. yeah! Um, I think another thing to kind of pivot in the the playoff picture right now. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if Florida State drops out of the top four because of Jordan Travis's injury. I think that will tell us exactly what the committee wants to do with Florida State because I think they like if they drop them to five. I think that means the committee wants them to lose, so they don't have to like there doesn't have to be a right. question about it. Um, I I think losing Jordan Travis that sucked. Prayers up to him, man. Like that was terrible. Uh, I haven't checked on Paul. I he's 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 
here's the, right, here's the best of things. So when we were about to leave from doing the post game show, we were talking about that game. And he goes, man, I just, I, I just want them to get through there. I don't want nobody to get hurt, oh. bro. I got home. And within like 10 minutes, Paul sent the text and I was like, Oh my God, this can't be happening. And then I saw the video gruesome. Uh, I just, it sucks. Um, I hate that for any player, especially when you have a guy like Jordan Travis, who seems genuinely like a good dude. Um, and he has, he is the reason they are where they're at. I think they're ultimately going to get hosed by, by the, the CFP. I think they've yeah. been waiting for an opportunity. I just don't see for how somebody you can't to mess up. put them in they sh- if they're undefeated. That's the thing. Like, I, I think they'll be number four. I think they'll at least be at number four. They're in a situation this like, week. I'm, I'm looking at these five undefeated teams. One of them has to lose. So, okay, who, what, what, as it sits right now, what is it? It's Georgia, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State are the five undefeated. Okay, I think Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State, should one of them has beat to lose. the hell out of Ohio State this weekend. Um. And then, so I think the Buckeyes will be on the outside looking in. Georgia, I think, goes unscathed. And Alabama could beat them in the SEC championship game, though. That would be a weird that. scenario. I'm not seeing that. I, I mean, the way they're playing right now, though. I'm the, talking the about Georgia. The way Georgia's playing right now, that, that's probably – you're probably right. Um, dude, I think Texas is on the outside looking in. I wouldn't Texas be surprised. Texas is firmly on the outside looking in. They need help. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, like, I think they, they need Florida State to lose to Louisville. Or uh, well, see if they got to, Florida this Florida. week, and Graham Mertz is out too. So Grant, you're not going to have either one of your starting quarterbacks, and that was a hell of a game. The thicker kicker did the the walk off uh, kick, did the the Gator chomp. I yeah. loved every second of that. So right now, just the way I'm seeing it, I've got Georgia, Michigan, Oregon. We've got tires screeching outside. People be wilding over here. Man. That rain just started. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out who gets that fourth spot. Like, does Florida State I, hang on, or do they get hosed? If does does Texas sneak in? Does Ohio State or Bama? Like, I think I so. Think, I think Bama loses to Georgia, and they're done. They're at two losses. But does Ohio State sitting at home, not in the Big Big Ten championship, at eleven and one? Do they do they hose Florida State and Texas? That would be a weird. All right, I just I, I think like, right can you, now can you put one loss Ohio State who didn't even win their own division over Big Twelve champ Texas. No, you no, shouldn't. No, you can't. I can. think the committee's going to consider it. They would consider it, um, but at the same time, if it was any other team in that scenario, they would get left out for Ohio State. But Texas being a brand, Texas winning the – if it was TCU or somebody else in that situation, they're asked to be left at home. We all know it. We've seen it before, and they would do it again. I but th- it's Texas. They would get in in that situation. I want to harp on this one last thing. Uh, we got a little time, yeah, but my, my last big point is I feel bad for the Pac-12 right now because they are going to have one very good team not even be in the conversation for that fourth spot. Yes. Um, the performance. Like, uh, like if, it's, if it's one loss Washington, I will feel terrible for them because they are easily one of the top six easily like so easily one of the top six that just feels bad that i know they won't even be in that discussion for number four no we're we're, us as college football fans are getting hosed this year on this stupid ass playoff being four teams like it needs to be 12 like i can see ole miss get their rock yeah dude like no i I, (laughs) so i think right now what's going to happen is michigan's going to win the big 10 they're going to be in i think georgia probably beats alabama it's going to be a close game georgia's in and then you're sitting in a situation 
where you're sitting in a situation where, sorry, we had people try to walk up in the studio. Yep. Where um, I think I think Oregon can beat will beat Washington. So I think it's going to be those three. And then you're in a situation where do you give the pack two teams or te- no man? I, it's just it's wild. Yep. I, Ev- I think everyone loses out this year because we're at a four team playoff. It really is. We are. It's going to be one hell of a selection committee, and I think. Honestly, I think they're in a pretty no-lose situation this year compared to other years where I have, I've been on the war path with mm-hmm. them. I've thought they've made some very stupid decisions, given some stupid reasoning, and it's always just seemed like we wanted these teams, so we're going to say whatever we need to get, yeah, them to in, get them in. And then they'll still fumble those words, and people will be mad. And they'll dance around it, and we all have yeah. to suffer. Point is, I think this is a very, very interesting playoff conversation, and I definitely think it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Oregon. And then it's going to be Florida State if they win out. Otherwise, it's going to be Texas. I, I mean, that's a weird one, dude. I, I would. I, I think that's what it is because I firmly believe Oregon's going to beat Washington. I do too, and I think in that situation, they're going to look at the healthy roster. They're going to look at matchups, and they probably that would suck. But I could see them leaving a I Florida State out. I can't see them leaving out undefeated ACC champ Florida State for one loss. Big 12 champ Texas. That's fair. That, that's my thing. That's th- we are going to they, – they, I feel like they wouldn't be able to cover that up, so they would have to go with Florida State. Yeah. Even though we all know Texas would be more competitive in the playoff because they still have their starting right, quarterback. Right, God, that's a, that's a job I wouldn't want. To, I wouldn't want um, but that does require Louisville uh, – the Florida State beating Florida and Louisville. So there, there are chances for Florida State to lose here. There are. Uh, the Swamp's always a difficult place to Brown's play. Brown's going to have a great game plan, too. I guarantee yeah, it. he is. So, anyway. Anyway. No, that's going to do it for today's episode. We appreciate y'all tuning in. As always, we will be back. We will have our picks ready for you on Thursday. Make sure you check into those. Josh Neighbors will be here with the Heat. Grayson Grunhafer as well. Uh, but for Jack, I'm Garrett. This has been the College Chaos Podcast.